Warning, this episode features some strong themes about sexuality. It's still a PG-13 show, but I thought it was worth giving you a warning. Welcome to the Untold Podcast, capturing the culture's imagination through speculative fiction. I'm your host, Nathan James Norman. Today's story has taken almost a year to bring to your ears. It seems everything has conspired to delay the production of this story. But I believe in a sovereign God. So, this episode is releasing at just the right time. Our story is by Jen Finelli. God killed his son, but let Jen Finelli live. Since then, Jen has ridden a motorcycle in a monsoon, hunted down two secret societies, swam with sharks, betrayed an organization trying to control the news, discovered murals in underground urban city tunnels, and etc. ad infinitum. She's going to be a superhero one day, if God lets her, but for now she's a multi-published sci-fi author four months away from her medical degree. You can follow Jen's upcoming movie, a pro-marriage comedy a la Pina Colada song, at mysweetaffair.com, or you can read some of her crazier sci-fi works and meet the woman herself at byjenfinelli.com. You can also find her on Twitter at Peter Pan. We'll put the link in the show notes. Her writing blog at peterpan.blogspot.com, and you can read her massive fiction and non-fiction achievements at a link provided in the show notes. Be sure to check in the show notes. They're going to be pretty extensive this week because Jen Finelli is an extensive writer. In short, Jen Finelli is a sinner who needs redemption. She has authored over a hundred fiction and nonfiction professional publications. Narration this month is provided by Kristen L. Norman, author of The Last Call, found in Superheroes, the Crossover Alliance Anthology, Volume 3. So now, without further ado, the Untold Podcast is proud to present To Refuse Blood by Jen Finelli. Three weeks after my burial. If I don't eat, I will die. But I refuse to drink blood, and I'm already dead. Look, you're one of us now. There's no use whining about it. Vanessa's words echo in the empty stone council room as she twirls the pentagram necklace around her long fingers. Her eyes glow red, and her fangs glint in the light as she smirks at me. I clutch my knees to my chest and say nothing. I don't know why she always seeks me out. If you don't come hunting with us, you're going to die, she repeats. I thought you said I was already dead, I grunt. That's why morality doesn't apply, right? The joke freezes her face. Her lips curl back. She flies across the room. She's on me. Her nails digging into my throat. I choke. My fingers slip on her cold claws. Her hand clamps my throat shut. I can't breathe at all. And her knees crush my stomach as she hisses. Do not presume to judge us. You are as damned as I. Do you hear me? I grind my teeth, pushing against her chest. The spikes in her corset cut into my fingers. Do you hear me? She shrieks. I find my legs. My head pounds. I get both feet onto her stomach somehow. I kick, but her nails tear me as I pry her off. I could knock her off. Then she'd rip my throat. Do you hear me? Her iron-scented spittle laces my cheek. I narrow my eyes against the cold fire in hers, but I nod. Five weeks after my burial. I glance at my watch. 
If Vanessa's gang catches me out here, a stake through the heart would be mercy. I've got half an hour of dusk left, and my backpack's oozing a slow burn into my spine. I can't stand the tingle too much longer. It's a quiet suburb, just beyond the graveyard. Fathers and mothers coming home from work don't see me perched in their bushes in long-sleeved camo. I can still smell their iron-scented sweetness through the plugs in my nose, but at least I can still think. I wish they went to bed earlier so I could work faster. Twenty more minutes. Finally, the door shut. I clench my teeth and suck in my breath as my gloved hand reaches into the backpack. Choking down the shriek as my fingers burn. It's too much. I drop the garlic back into the bag and zip it up, moaning. My eyes sting under the safety goggles. The thick garden gloves aren't working any better than the latex did. My fingers are already peeling. Help me, please. I can hear the creaks of the coffins opening in the graveyard behind me. I don't know how I never heard it when I was alive. Icy sweat seeps into my shirt. If I don't get this garlic across this doorway, the little girl in there will die. I don't even know if they have a daughter, but I pretend they do. I close my eyes and imagine my own baby sipping her luquado, blended pineapple smoothie with milk. Gracias, mami, she says, other grubby hand gripping her action figure. Gracias, mami, she says as I dip my hand back into the backpack full of garlic. My whole hand's on fire as I make a fist. I dash to the porch. Fire creeps up my arm. I drop the garlic on the doormat. Success. Home defended from vampires like me. The proximity of blood makes it burst with scent anew. I try to leap away, but the fumes burning through my pants turn that into a stumble. I tumble down the steps. My shoulder impacts the cement and I gasp in pain, inhaling a lung full of acid. It's getting dark. The garlic's worse in the dark. I push myself to a crawl and flop off the cement into the wet grass. I've got to reach my backpack, but my muscles won't even crawl. My eyes steam as I squint at my watch. Ten minutes until Vanessa's gang finds me here. Three weeks after my burial, Vanessa releases my neck and stands to wipe her fingers on her dress. She doesn't need to. There isn't any blood on them, even though she pierced my jugular. You are so fresh, she smirks. You do realize you do not require breath anymore. You'd be much stronger if you stopped trying. I like breathing. I stand, wiping her spit off my face onto my torn t-shirt sleeve. Her scarlet eyes watch me without anger or kindness, like the security cameras at the grocery store where I buy garlic to stop her. She parts her legs under her silk skirt, standing square, and crosses her hands with the pentagram inside them. She's waiting. I'm still not going hunting with you, I say. Ah, so you find arousal in pain. Was that a come on or a threat? Because either way, you're such a stereotype. And I understand you want me to call you a rebel so you can be my edgy foil. But you're not. You're only repressed, just as you were all your life. So, why do you care what I repress? Because your repression judges us. Judges me for being true to myself. For giving you this life. This is who you are now. Check your privileges at the door. Be true to yourself, and stop rubbing your beliefs in our faces. Her breasts bounce as she stalks out of the room. I'm not supposed to notice that the way I do. I'm a woman, but I have to fight to push my eyes from the smooth, creamy mounds pressing through her corset. People say that's why I'm here, either because I'm attracted to women or because I betrayed God's creation in myself by suppressing that attraction all my life and marrying a man. Victor says maybe I was just thinking dirty thoughts about Vanessa when she bit me. She's gone. Thank goodness she's gone. But I'm trembling. My stomach's churning. 
The iron in her breath filled my mouth with saliva, and its sharp, slimy stuff. As I stand to spit the taste out onto the stone table in the center of the room, my knees literally knock. I have to sit. I clutch at the crimson fabric of the tall chair beneath me, struggling to laugh. Dios mio, it's like King Arthur's table in here with these tall backs. What a stereotype. My voice cracks. I collapse into my own arms, head down on the table. My shoulders shudder. My chest burns as I breathe hard. You can't sob without breathing. I need release. My soul cries out to the living Elohim. A gurgle forms in my throat. My dry eyes ache as I moan into the empty cavern. The words don't matter. I weep the only way I can. For warm snuggles with my husband, kisses from my baby, I scream. Why am I here? I was supposed to go to heaven. Do the words penetrate the ceiling of the crypt? Does the cry of the damned... I'm not damned, I spit to myself, choking on the pain rising in my throat. Don't think like that. Pistua sin epi ton kerion yeshua. Kai so the say sai ke ho oikos su. Believe. But did I ever really believe at all? I never conquered my feelings. I lived with them all my life. Catholics would say if I died in sin. Well, thank God I'm not a Catholic. I curse trying to laugh. I clench my fingers. I need to laugh. <laughs> That's something I say every day. A voice from the doorway. I whirl. Five weeks after my burial. I can suffocate on the lawn under the garlic cloud, or I can crawl towards the pack of hungry, medieval vampires. What fabulous options. I stop breathing. Forget being human. I need to stay alive. The grass soothes my belly and my wrists as my shirt scrunches and wrinkles while I drag myself forward. The ski mask doesn't protect me. My face stings as I edge towards my backpack. Five minutes until full darkness. I try to slip on the backpack, and it's fire. It touches the back of my shirt. I shriek like I've been stabbed. Mirda! I cringe, clamping my hands over my mouth. The residual garlic on my gloves sizzle on my skin. Oh no. I drop my hands to my pants. The skin on my face peels back with a soft hiss. A shadow stiffens down the road. It heard my scream. I duck further into the bush, raising the backpack above my head. I see through the leaves as the shadow charges down the road toward my hiding place on all fours. Fangs glimmer in the moonlight. Drool spreads across fur. Rabbit eyes glow yellow. Five seconds to impact. That's not a vampire. Three weeks after my burial. Victor's lounging in the dining room doorway with his Hawaiian shirt open to show the Walmart smiley face tea underneath. He looks like my little brother and he heard me crying, but I don't mind. I sigh with relief. Finally, someone who's not a walking stereotype, I say. You talk about stereotypes a lot. They're everywhere here. By race, vice, ethnicity, employment. It's like everyone chooses one thing about themselves after they die and makes it their all. We become our gods. I can't stand it. Like you're not a one-trick pony, too? I glare at him and cross my arms tighter. Aw, oh, come on. Don't be like that. The chair screeches against stone floor as he yanks it out and sits. Look, I get it. It's crazy. You play the game by a set of rules all your life, and then hit the end zone and find out you got gypped? Yeah, I had that post-mortem depression, too. We're not dead. Okay, look. Denial's just... We can't be dead. These brainwaves, talking to you, running nervous system, that's the current medical definition for life. 
Medievals like Vanessa down here still use ancient definitions like heartbeat. That's where the stupid idea of damnation came from. They stopped believing in any other life after death because of faulty science. We're sick, not damned. Really, really sick. <laughs> so you're holding out for the real life after death? Victor chuckles. Yes, Victor sighs. I know he won't play good cop against Vanessa's bad cop with me. He tells me every day this is only a phase, that I'll find my way eventually. Like me, he tried all kinds of animal blood when he first arrived. Cracking chickens' necks, mounting cows in the field, crushing mice in his fingertips, and only found that it sacked him with seizures and vomiting. Now he's made almost a church out of those who drink the blood of murderers and rapists. You know I'm taking my boys on a hunt tonight, he ventures. I respect that. You're invited. I don't know if I have what it takes to wrestle a violent... I mean, Vanessa can kick my... Vanessa's old. You're fresh. But even you've been dead... <laughs> I'm sorry. Sick. Long enough to snap any living thing like a Twix bar. My stomach's my new heart, thrashing within me. And I've got so much drool in my mouth, it's hard to swallow. Somewhere I've read those who live by the sword die by the sword. It's fair for murderers to die. And Victor does his homework right? Newspapers, court documents, police records. My belly groans. Victor chuckles. <laughs> Should I take that as a yes? I bury my face in my arms, but I nod. It's an easy kill. The napkin muffles the man's screams. One person pins each limb to the ground. I'm on his left arm, and I can't even feel him struggling. He's a black man twice my size. The word stereotype enters my mind, but I push the warning away. You've been convicted of three murders and a rape. This is the result. Victor whispers in his ear. To me, Victor says, Swap with me. You take the neck. This guy tortured someone. This guy is evil. I'm stealing my resolve, but finding I don't have to. My fingers wrap around his hot neck as if they belong there. My teeth snap to his jugular. My tongue. Whoa, whoa, hold on. I want to calculate this. Control it. But I'm not slowing down. Something warm spurts into my mouth, and I'm briefly reminded of my husband. But this tastes sweet and fills my throat with a warm glow. Stop. Stop it. Something's not right here. Sweat on my fingers. His terror courses through me. Speed up. We're not fast enough. He's turning. Someone screams. A rapist turning? Did Victor's gang sometimes create monsters? Oh gosh, oh gosh. I'm guzzling now. We gotta drain him before he can turn. He's shuddering, writhing against my lips. Someone else is slurping his wrists. I'm gulping, flashing back to college days, drowning beers I hated just to prove a point. At least this doesn't taste like piss. Dios mio, don't let him turn. Oh no, this is... He's empty. I'm sucking on limbic fluid now. It's salty and gross. I release, wiping my face on my arm, gagging. He's still warm. His eyes stare as if he saw the wrath of God raining down from the stars. Tears run down my face as I touch his... So human, with lips that could kiss, a nose that could enjoy foods now toxic to me, cheeks that... pale. He blinks and spits out the handkerchief. He's turned. Quick, get the steak. Victor snaps. What the hell? The man screams. I'm innocent. Sure you are. Someone smirks. But now that I'm full, the word stereotype repeated far too often in my Latina life flashes in bright blood red in my mind. Someone's carrying a wooden spike. Someone else is tapping our victim's chest to make sure they can find his heart. Wait, I croak. Wait, how are you innocent? 
Great justice you freaks have, proving innocence. He screams back. It was her husband. I was the one who reported the whole thing. That's not what the court records say. Victor says. Why would he kill his kids? How the hell would I know? Did you- I grip Victor's wrist. Was there DNA evidence? I mean, no, but- How do you know this guy's guilty? The court decided that. The court released me yesterday after the confessions turned up. Victim screams. Huh? My man didn't mention any confessions. Victor says. It's clear we'll have to do some more homework on you. Fellas, bring him back to the crypt. I want whoever was on his case. Riedel? Okay, you and I are going to have a serious talk. What, did you look at his picture and just decide that way? You're shit. Well, buddy, welcome to the world of the damned. Victor pats victim on the shoulder. It's a clerical error, if that. No big deal. Maybe they'll kill him later. Victim's blood pounds in my temples. His angry adrenaline, the whole injustice, seethes through me. I lick my dripping teeth. They're fire on my tongue. I get up to stomp down the alley, back towards the graveyard. Screw this. Whoa, whoa. Wait. Victor calls. Thanks for dinner. Maybe Victor does a lot of good. Maybe he's taken out hundreds of rapists. Thousands, even. But I'm never gonna drink blood again. Five weeks after my burial. I can't run. I'm going to fight this thing. I decide as the beast sleeps. I'm going to jam garlic down its throat. A sharp whiz. The beast yelps and curls in midair. It skids to a stop inches from me, its black nose poking under the brush to point at my toe. I see blue drool pooling in the grass and soiling black-brown striped fur. My shoulders relax as the werewolf morphs into a dead woman. I didn't think these existed either, but it's nothing to discovering heavens further away than you thought. Heaven. My eyes glaze over for an instant, still burning as my baby, the angels, Vanessa's breasts all converge in my fevered mind. I try to spit Vanessa out. My watch beeps. Dusk's over. And the wolf slayer wears Vanessa's boots. I hear the heavy breathing of a gas mask approaching. I'm blinking through the fumes, past the leaves, as Vanessa's corset and skirt flows down the street. Her followers wisp through the shadows just beyond her, none of them bold enough to march down the middle of the road like she does. She's steampunk, with her black feathered dress, mask, military boots, and silenced gun. I know her gas mask won't help her in this neighborhood, not dressed like that. Gentle shoulders and full breasts, a soft pale glow in the dark. She's staring at my bush, asking herself what screamed and triggered the wolf's madness. I avert my eyes. Maybe if I don't look at her, she can't see me, but she's staring at me. I need to run. Get out from under the backpack. It's throbbing into my forehead. It's like my brain's melting. Stop thinking like that. But I'm clenching my teeth to stay still as she steps forward. My muscles tremble. If I had blood, my whole body would drip raw red. The branches stab into flesh, tenderized by acrid odors. Vanessa takes another step. If I run, she'll send me whatever supernatural darts killed the werewolf. If I can only wait long enough, maybe she'll... But I'm about to go into seizures. My arm twitches. The leaves rustle. I grip the wayward limb and squeeze my eyes shut, screaming with all my silent heart. It's the agony of a martyr burning at the stake, with none of the glory. My soul cries out to the living Elohim. She raises her gun. It's almost dangling from her limp, aristocratic wrist. Delicate. Don't run. Don't run. She glances at her fingernails and fires into my bush.
seven weeks after my burial. Like him who through suffering was made perfect. I'm lying on my coffin, using my delirium to paint pictures of heaven in my head with old words. I don't remember as much poetry as I'd like, and Vanessa throws away any books I try to smuggle into my room, even the old zoology textbooks. I'm too impressionable right now for books, she says. Maybe after I learn to think for myself. Probably just as well. I still can't see straight. Moving hurts. I don't even remember getting back to the crypt the night she shot me. But I'm here now, with seven silver bullets embedded in my bones. I finger the lump in my collarbone that hasn't healed over yet. I wonder why. My antiseptic flesh sealed so fast everywhere else. They're my secret jewels, those bullets. No one in the suburb was bitten that night. The stench of garlic rising above the town drove Vanessa's crew home with hives and kept her away from my bush. She never caught me. Never saw me. She just fired over and over while I clenched down and took it. I remember passing out. My skin still seethes. I focus on breathing to ignore it. Is this my redemption? My purgatory? Gracias sola, I whisper to myself. If poor damned me reaches paradise, it won't be by garlic. Because if my hope depends on body count, then the dead I didn't save. I shiver. Gotta get back to work. Down here, my prayers bounce back against the bones saturating the earth above. Up there, even if I never see the sun, the cold moonshine tells me it still exists. Where did the God of grace go? Gracia. Grace. The word thank you. Gracias. Comes from graces. Gracias, mama. My baby girl exhorts me in my head. I reach for her hand. What's your plan here? Huh? Victor's sitting by my coffin. He ate recently. My stomach gurgles at the scent. I saw you last week painting crosses on doorways. He says. I bite my lip. My head swimming. Yes. Lamb's blood laced with garlic burns us more than cloves alone. I'd love to study the chemistry responsible for that. Well? Victor asks. Guess you know why I'm sick. That in your food strike. What do you want out of this? I don't want anything. I just won't kill anybody. Look, v He stumbles, looking for my name. I smirk. I never chose one. Victor realizes this and rolls his eyes. Okay, my dear nonconformist, names are good. You get why you don't want to use your old one, right? Yes, protect my family. Okay, see, I didn't want to know you had a family. But yes, look, names rock. Mine declares what I want to be. A winner. A hero. All my life they called me a pacifist wimp. A flower child. And now I'm kicking ass and taking blood. What do you want to be? Alive? He sighs and rolls his eyes. <laughs> okay, whatever. Look, three things healthy vampires do. Drink blood, don't cross Vanessa, don't play with garlic. You're wrong on all counts. What is this getting you? Redemption? Don't think I can earn that. Happiness? I'm miserable. I don't know. I'm trying to cling to a hope for the future here. What if we can be healed? Then shouldn't we live that way rather than just settling for death? <laughs> Vanessa doesn't want a cure, Victor says. Screw Vanessa. What about you? I'm providing a useful service. Fine, then. What about kids? What about me? Well, you acting like you don't have to drink blood doesn't make it that way. I'm so dizzy. My fingers waver as I grip his shirt and drag him towards me, mumbling. No, listen to me. Your research team. Put the best of them into finding a cure. Just see. See what happens. You can't find it if you discount it. Have faith in the maybe. Maybe. 
He's staring at me with eyebrows pursed. I got that same look from my friends when I opted to marry a man. But you know you're a lesbian, not by... Yes, I'm a fool. Always a fool. I drop my hands and turn to the wall with a sigh. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. My stomach's dull pain tells me I chose wrong. The rest of my body aches for caresses, for... On cue, Vanessa walks into the room. Hey, what's up? Victor grunts. I heard my charge was ill. Her voice sparkles. Give us a moment. He salutes her with a cocky grin, but he stares at her longer than he should before he walks out. Is he worried? She sits, not on the floor like Victor did, but on the bed beside me. She places her hand on my belly. A soft, thirsty rush floods my core. Hey, I sit up and push her hand away. She puts it on my knee instead. I hope you didn't misunderstand my anger at you the other day, she says. It's hard, difficult, living this long, never knowing who wants to dig up your grave and drive a stake in your heart, and difficult protecting a hive of outcasts just trying to survive. You understand that, don't you? I nod as she leans into my face. The scent on her breath drives my stomach to wild palpitations. I grip my belly and stifle a groan as she whispers through blood-stained teeth. Please, give me one reason, not a quotation, a reason, born of that rotting, fermented gray feces in your skull, not to come hunting with me tonight. I tighten my jacket around my neck so she can't see the bullet still protruding from my collarbone. She's staring. I try to push her hand off my leg, but it's a metal vice, and I'm a mouse. My head. My head. My tongue's flickering against the dry roof of my mouth. In this moment, I envision her kissing me, spitting blood into my mouth, and I want that so much. My vision's blurring again. I see her lips twice. My hand clenches the sheet on the coffin under me. I try to shrink back, but... She asked me a question. Words. Words get me out of here. What do I say? I'm sick, I mutter. Blood is a cure-all, my dear. Her cool fingers brush across my cheek, down my neck. I grab her wrist. My hand wavers and my grip's a joke, like a bracelet tossed loosely at her for decoration. Please, I'm really sick, I beg. She slips back the edge of my shirt. Her finger taps the bullet. I stare at her eyes with nowhere to run, nothing to do, garlic trapped all over again. Her lip curls. One hand pins my chest down. A finger from the other hand jams like a spear into my shoulder. I scream as she rips the bullet out, cracking already damaged bone. Victor dashes in, his hands wrap around waist and yank her off of me. She whirls, elbows him, backhands him against the wall. I'm only retrieving what is mine, she snaps. And you! I clutch my shoulder, clenching my teeth, shivering with weakness and shock and hunger as she grips my chin between her fingers. You need to understand that in every society, from churches to bars, there's a natural order, a highest good that makes you a sinner if you break it. Here, one highest good is truth to nature. You drink blood because your biology dictates you must. Another is do not steal. You stole prey from us with your garlic schemes. You're starving us. Do you know what that makes you? My head wobbles no on my neck. She grips my hair, spitting through her teeth. A monster who forces abstinence on others, who starves her people. You don't know a word for a worthless creature like that. Yes, you do. Say it. Tell me. Tell me what you are. Quit it! Victor's on her back again, yanking her by the wrist. He snarls and tears at her limbs. She swats him off like he's a pesky puppy, but I can't see where she begins or he ends. I just feel her claws digging into my jaw no matter what he does. 
What are you gaining? She screams to me, kicking him in the gut. You think starving yourself will kill you before you go insane? You won't die. You can't die. You're eternal. You think stealing from us makes you better somehow? That heaven will open for you? You're here with me now. We are you. Be true to you. No, I am me. I cry, tearing my hand from her face. I feel flesh rip. I'm alive. My name is Viviana, one who lives. She laughs. Releasing me, she stands straight to hurl Victor across the room. Stop it. I won't hurt her, vigilante. She mutters to him, gripping my shoulders and propping me against the wall again. And what if you're wrong? I see your little bloodless face flushing, your hands twitching. You want blood. You want me. You can't lie. What if you awaken to realize you're dead? So hungry. She's pressed against me. There's blood on her corset that I just want to lick off. The feathers of her clothes scratch my sensitive garlic-stained skin, and yes, I know. I know what I'm thinking. I know what she means. I can't save all the kids she hunts. I can't fix myself. I'm damned. I know. I know. But somewhere, there's life. Someone in the future and in the past, someone's overcome this. Maybe I can't redeem myself, but surely the skies echo my call from the crypt for a redeemer, a picture I must cling to or sink into murderous despair. Va ani yadati go ali chai, va acharon al afar yakum, I mutter. I know my redeemer lives, and in the end he shall rise over the dust. What witchcraft is that? In my day, we burned people at the stake for talking like that. I know. I relax into her arms. I haven't slept or felt cold since the day I died, but now a chill spreads from my core to my fingertips and I am tired. I let my muscles go limp. I release my hearing, my vision, the senses I've struggled throughout this whole conversation to maintain, and let the fuzz creep over everything, like mold should over dead bodies. I decompose. What in damnation? She's dying, you idiot. I have never seen it before. But it's happening. Well, retrieve the emergency supply. We can siphon blood into her. Gah, Vanessa, no. She hates that. I can't just let her die. She has a whole span ahead of her. Just hold her, will you? Be a good monster and just hold her. Hey, Viviana, can you hear me? She's seizing. What's happening to her eyes? There. Can't you just get her that kosher blood you drink? Just shut up, Viviana. I'll... There's choking. I'll look into the cure. I promise. Can you come back? But I'm already gone. And that was our story. I hope you liked it. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20 In many ways, the Christian life is one of surrender. We surrender our wants, needs, and desires to Christ. We die to our old self so we can truly live in and through Jesus. The author wanted me to point out the story is written by a lesbian who married a man, and that if anyone is curious about sexuality sublimation, choosing faith over sexuality, unwanted sexuality, or just suffering feelings of repression, please visit www.spiritualfriendship.org. 
The author is also available to listen to you via DM on Twitter at Peter Pan. That's P-E-T-R-3 Pan. Go to the show notes. Thanks, Jen Finelli. Before we go, remember that... This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network. For more great content and community, visit ChristianGeekCentral.com. Please remember to join our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, subscribe to us on YouTube, blog about us, leave us a nice review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find us, support us on Patreon, and tell your friends. The Untold Podcast has been funded by Jason Brannan, Fred Heimbaugh, Clayton Webb, Jen Finelli, Parker J. Cole, and Nathan and Casey Butler. And I'm Nathan James Norman, reminding you, up there, even if I never see the sun, the cold moonshine tells me it still exists. <laughs>